Here we are to start the second hour. Jason Ross here with you. NFL's top five, bottom five in the league throughout five weeks. We'll give you that each and every Tuesday. That's coming up at the bottom of the hour. Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. All right, we've already had our tickets that have been won by WWE to go see that next week. Also next week, the Kings home opener, which will be... Uh, October 22nd at Golden One Center. We're going to give those tickets away. Your chance coming up at 5.30. So about 90 minutes away for that. Congratulations again to the Houston Astros. They have just eliminated the White Sox. They will meet the Red Sox in the American League Championship Series. So that's five consecutive trips to the ALCS for the Houston Astros. All right, so now let's get into John Gruden, the NFL, the Raiders, where all of this is now. Uh, for him, for them, for the team? How do they move on? All that kind of stuff. Because there's a lot of moving parts here. And I just wonder, I mean, all we could do right now at this point is speculate as to how much else is out there. Not on Gruden, because I feel like at this point, that story, that chapter of what they unearthed, I guess is closed, right? Because he's not going to be coaching in the NFL. I don't know that he gets another job in the NFL. He took too many swings at too many people to have someone support him, right? Some people always say, oh, if you get fired, you can always go back in broadcasting. He was a good broadcaster. Uh, People are running from John Gruden and fast, fast. And the way this was all gone down, if if you didn't hear about it, the entirety of it, was this was the full investigation or a thorough investigation. I don't even know how long they've been doing this on really Daniel Snyder and the Washington football team. And we had heard a couple of things over the last year or so that had come out about that organization, about how for too long, how things were operating there and how they were run. And now we're seeing the fallout from that. But as many have suggested, and I believe this to be the case, John Gruden, as as I think Jim Trotter put it so beautifully today, said he's just a tree in the forest. He's not the only one. He, from past, from present, um, you just look at the way the NFL has been constructed and the way it wants to be perceived, they're not lining up. The NFL, I would say in the last probably year and a half to two has really seemingly on the edges on the surface, what we're presented tried to tell us that they are far more concerned about some of the things that you feel the players might be the public might be right. Social justice issues. They, they were running from that running from it. Now we have players with messages on their helmets each week. Um, the NFL is at least on the surface behind more of the social justice causes. We know they've been behind safety issues. And you think about John Gruden in these emails taking swipes at race, at individuals, at the safety protocols, at, you know, there's reports of what, uh, sharing topless pictures of cheerleaders, um, just vulgar language homosexual homophobic slurs i mean he he went everywhere 
But if you think it's just John Gruden, th- that can't be the case. It's just, it can't be. And I think the NFL has to do its part to continue to investigate not only this, but other situations like this. It's been a entity that has had very wealthy people very much protected from themselves, from their own mistakes, from their own misgivings, from their own bad behaviors. And when people discuss this as, here we go again, this is a statue of limitations, this is people trying to eliminate people in cancer culture, don't be a knucklehead. Be good to people. You are a person in power, and for as much as, yes, this is just sports, but it's also if you go to the business side of things. John Gruden, I think you could argue currently right now, well, not this minute, but yesterday, the day before, who was a more important Raider, a figure for the Raiders the shield, what they represent right now currently, not the past, even though he was a coach before. I mean, there's players that come and go, but he had a 10-year deal. Al Davis, Mark Davis have both been infatuated with him. Mark Davis talked about he was, had been luring him, trying to get him back for years. And then he gets him because a deal he Gruden just couldn't refuse. And some of the thought yesterday when there was the first leak on Friday and Saturday of some of the stuff that was coming out about Gruden, some of the angle was, well, this was done when he wasn't an employee of a team. It's certainly not good. No one was saying, oh, it's no big deal. It was, I don't know what the NFL can do about it. Well, once way more got leaked, it just became far too incriminating and really should have been incriminating from the get-go, but it was too much of an avalanche of things he could just not overcome now whether or not the nfl forced this on him as far as his departure whether he's gonna get fired or resigning or he felt too much heat bottom line he is out he is no longer there and now what's the offshoot of that today a couple of different things have happened the is it sketchers i think he was a i haven't really known i've seen a commercial from him in a while with them but they are no longer endorsing him or being an advertiser with John Gruden. Another one, the Buccaneers have weighed in on their former Super Bowl winning coach. This is a statement from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Quote, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have advocated for purposeful change in the areas of race relations, gender equality, diversity, and inclusion for many years. While we acknowledge John Gruden's contributions on the field, his actions go against our core values as an organization. Therefore, he will no longer continue to be a member of the Buccaneers' ring of honor. So a team he's not even coaching, a team he did coach to a Super Bowl, they're done with him. They want no part, and they're removing him from the ring of honor. Um, earlier today, or let's, let's tell you what John Gruden said, uh, what, just a couple days ago about where he felt he was in his life, certainly with the Raiders and with, with everything going forward? I've learned a lot. And, again, I'm not going to rehash uh, the event again. I think um, I feel very good about uh, the things I have learned. I also feel really good about what I stand for, as I said yesterday. And uh, I'll be happy to talk about football, but I'll just leave it at that. Well, 
he's not going to be able to talk about football now. He is no longer the Raiders coach. Uh, others have come out swinging as well. This was from uh, First Take this morning, former NFL player Keyshawn Johnson. I didn't say anything. Stephen A. remember when, when I was deactivated from the team and, and essentially sent home for six, seven weeks, yeah. I didn't say anything. I said, hey, I'm happy. I won a Super Bowl. I have my time. It's time to move on. I didn't, I didn't get into it. I let everybody else just say what they say. And then I finally said, man, this dude is a fraud. Y'all don't seem to understand he's selling you on something and you're buying it. He's been doing that for years. And, and whether it was he's an excellent quarterback coach, whether he won the Super Bowl, which I'm grateful and thankful that he came in at a time and injected some energy into us so we can get over the hump that year and win the Super Bowl. But it's, it's the talking behind people's back. Yeah. It was, that was one of his traits. In Tampa, everything, Stephen A., I love you. I love you, Molly. You're great. But, but as soon as I go around the corner, I can't stand them you-know-whats and this, that, and the other. I got to get it. He was doing that a lot. And you know how assistant coaches are. Assistant coaches have to feed their family, so they're not going to say nothing. Right. But they'll tell you on the side, That's right. hey, dude, this dude here is a bad guy. Yeah. And I always try to tell people, man, that dude's a bad guy. Y'all don't seem to get it because he gets on television and he has the scrawl on his face, and everybody likes him because he won a championship. I had take no personal feelings with me at all about John Gruden. The guy actually tried to get me to come back to play for him the first year I retired. Bruce Allen and him called me and my agent to try to get me to come back and play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to make another playoff run, and I decided to stay at ESPN instead. But I also understood who he was. Am I surprised that this sort of behavior would come out about Coach Gruden. I'm not surprised that he would talk about people in despairing views behind their backs. Not at all. Am I surprised that he used racial insensitive things? Did, am I surprised that he was uh, acting uh, homophobic situations, talking about the LBGT community? Am I surprised that he went after the vice president, went after the commissioner? No. I'm not surprised, but what I'm surprised about is some of the words that he used because I never saw that side of him, Molly. All right, those were some of the comments this morning from Keyshawn Johnson. Um, I said this yesterday. What I found interesting on, let's say, Sunday night, Football Night in America, a guy like Mike Tirico, who has worked with him, and all he can say is his life experience, right? When people say, when something maybe like this has happened to, that people don't expect or don't see coming, all you can relate to is what is your experience with that person or individual, whoever it may be. So Mike Tirico felt more than comfortable in sharing. He, he considered John Gruden a great personal friend, uh, someone he was very close to in his time working with him at ESPN in their, what, seven, eight years that they worked Monday Night Football together. Here to me is a case where, Exactly like Keyshawn Johnson said, I think multiple things can be true. I'm sure of it. I'm sure that Mike Tirico and John Gruden had an excellent relationship. But I also am very sure of these other things that have happened that maybe Tirico leaves the room and something said, maybe not. Maybe those two guys have a good relationship. But clearly, John Gruden was far too comfortable with using words that he did multiple times over years. And when someone said, oh, that was 10 years ago. Well, still, he was a grown man 10 years ago. And it was also seven years ago. Some of these emails were three years ago. So <laughs> um, for him to say I've grown and gotten better, I, I, don't, I don't know that that's happened. 
Some might say that in some of his circles, but what circles are those? Who's he around? Obviously, he's more than comfortable enough to put this on an email when you know there's potential for a paper trail in this case. Um, You just can't do that. You just can't say these things. You can't... um, be a good I don't I don't I don't know maybe I'm I'm too naive here I think about a couple other things too Chris that bother me on this again Gruden totally makes sense I've seen people talk about the fact that this wasn't a witch hunt on Gruden by any means this is all um accurately reported and seemingly deserved but if this originated with Washington and I want to know what's going on with Washington is this like Hey, there's a lot to look at here, but we'll give you our pound of flesh. It's going to be John Gruden. And this is going to appease our owners because if we really start digging into Washington, well, then what's going on in New England? And what's going on in Green Bay? You know, whatever the case may be. Like, we we got to protect our own. So we got to clean up our league. We got to clean up this image. We don't really like where a lot of this is going, but here's our, here's our sacrificial lamb, John Gruden. That's pretty salacious stuff. People will bite, and they should. I'm not saying they're making any of this up. But the whole thing was about Washington. What is going on there? Why is Daniel Snyder still protected? And who else is being protected? I think a lot of us see this as the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. with Gruden. And the NFL is trying to say, like, nope, that's the whole iceberg. That's it. It can't be. And, I, I refuse to believe that. And another thing that, like, gets me. First off, Gruden is the guy right now that everything is falling on. Right. When it should be on Washington, where all of this started from. And the really thing, the thing that I see that the NFL was very upset about Gruden was, is the things that they have had to pay money out of. He went off on the league for concussion protocols, right? Which the NFL does not want people right. to talk about. He w- was sharing pictures with the Washington over there while they're having a sexual harassment investigation. They had to pay Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. for their stances, and he's over here saying fire Eric Reed while the NFL is saying like, hey, we're not blackballing anybody. Right, we're putting out commercials. Yeah, none of of that's happening. And he's as a voice in the NFL talking with someone with power within an NFL team saying like, yeah, they need to fire him for doing what he's doing. So I think that that's what the NFL has a major problem with is he's causing them a lot of problems by being the guy that they say does not exist in the NFL. Right, and it clearly does, and I refuse to believe that he's the only one. Now, he's the one that's getting all the attention now, and like even yesterday we brought up on the show where some people were referencing, well, look what his current players are saying about him. I said, yeah, that one, I, I, I'm not suggesting that players are lying, but again, back to both, one, both things can be true, or maybe right now he's saying the right things to this current group, in the locker room, but what's he saying when players leave? What's he saying? What has he said about him in the past? And the bigger point I thought on that is a current player in a non-guaranteed contract sport is probably not going to call out a coach that's in year four of a 10-year contract that has the most security. We thought, I thought in the NFL, there was probably no way for him to get fired on performance. He got fired for being a knucklehead, for doing something um, he should know better on then and clearly doesn't and hasn't and hasn't learned. And the NFL is try, or at least they're giving us the perception, Chris, that they're trying to clean everything up, that they, you know, the Rooney rule, Hey, we have to interview more African-American coaches. We need more African-Americans in positions of power in the NFL. 
they're saying that they're not showing it and then you have this which just falls right into line and just punching all those theories right in the face it's also the thing is and no one should really be defending Gruden after this right. because what from what we've been told is that the Raiders and Gruden were given the emails that were of suspect before the game Sunday and he coached that he coached yeah. and basically they thought that they're like hey Sorry if I offended anybody. They thought that was going to be the end of it. And because, I mean, I almost want to say that was this a game of chicken? Was Gruden basically daring the NFL saying like, well, if this gets released, you're going to look as bad as I do. And just hoping that they wouldn't. That's interesting. That's really interesting if that's even remotely the case. I just hope it's not what looks like on the surface that Gruden was – Victim's not the right word at all because he's not uh, sacrificed for the greater good of the ownership. Which it just that is the only answer you could come up with when the NFL is saying like we are not releasing any emails mm-hmm. and we don't know who released the emails to begin with, but they're saying we're not releasing anyway. But the only way you can really get out of this situation is if you were to say, you know what, here's everything. Here's everything. This is what we know. And you see, it was just Gruden. Yeah. You see, there was nothing Mm -hmm. else there. In the 650,000 emails. That is highly unlikely. And that's also a reason why you don't want anybody else to see the rest of those emails. Well, and let's go back even to Colin Kaepernick and some of the, even Eric Reed, some of the stuff that you said the NFL is trying to be very careful about. Um, When there were stuff, allegations from Kaepernick's camp that, he was being blackballed or there were certain owners that weren't allowing, um, you know, certain owners that have more power, let's say even than other owners, all these owners have so much power amongst the league, but certain that might have even more. Um, are there any chains in these emails that say incriminating stuff from, I don't even have to give names, but a, an owner in this city and that city that says that's agreeing with Gruden that's attached on a chain with, Washington's email. You just what else is out there? Or even worse, if an owner is telling Washington, "You better do this. You better do X, or Y is going to happen." Right, right. And the fact that in this, and wa- we have to make these wild speculations because we don't know what's any of that is. Also, the stuff with Snyder and the their talk about they have no emails for Snyder. That's just another. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Right. And for Snyder to, like we said, have a like the no non-email. Snyder, it seems like he's been this big owner in Washington. Everything goes through him, but all of this. He's clean? And it's all not to any of his knowledge. This yes. is happening without him knowing anything. You can't have it both ways. Right, right. And Bruce Allen, who was with the Raiders, that was with Washington. That's a connection where Gruden and, and Allen come in together. Um there's there's just there needs to be more uncovered here. There really has to at be. the NFL. The NFL at the least needs to say I, they already have an independent investigator, but there needs to be an independent investigation of on that. top of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's even like yesterday, you and I not jokingly, but you'd said there was right after the show ended. I mean, literally right when the show ended, there was the second release. It was almost like whoever leaked the emails, which was what Friday night, I think. Guys, did you see this? And it was like nobody – everyone knew it was something. Gruden had to respond to what he coached. It was like, well, he's just going to move on. And then it was like, okay, here's the next leak. 
It's like, you guys didn't think this was incriminating enough? Bang, here's a whole other set of emails. And then it was like, okay, that's too much. And that's where then social media, the power of that. I mean, every response you're seeing is, that's it. He's got to go. There's no way he's keeping the job. And it literally was half hour? 15, yeah, 15 minutes, half hour later, where you're learning that John Gruden is going to be stepping down and resigning with the Raiders. It moved quickly. Um, but you're right, Chris. The Raiders had that. They had those emails, or at least the knowledge that those emails existed. And I don't know if the Raiders even read them, looked at them, um, were unfazed by them. Did they play the game of chicken that you maybe are alluding to? Um, this really would be an interesting deeper dive into what is real. I mean, the totality of the project of investigating Washington, what was uncovered for whatever reason, it feels like something's being protected or omitted. And then the Gruden stuff, allegations and confirmed emails. Terrible. He's gone. Get it. Uh, Totally understood. What else are they protecting here? Yeah. I mean, if there was nothing to hide, truly nothing, then that is all there. But you have that many emails, that much, and then th- I just can't feel like this is where you're redirected and this is the only thing they found. The other like bad thing about it is like the reason they don't want to release this is because there's an ongoing investigation and there's ongoing litigation over what is happening in Washington with how they treat their employees. Mm-hmm. So it is just a bad, terrible situation. The NFL really makes it hard to like the NFL. It does, and we just talked, and you know, here we are on the next segment. We do top five, bottom five. The games this week was as good as it gets. The the actual game, the process of watching the game, and what I think most of us like if you're a diehard of a team, uh, fantasy football, heck, gambling on games, whatever your reason for loving the NFL, all of that is still there. It's still brutally violent. Um, you still have inequities all over the place. Um, in race, in gender, um, in class, all that. And yet another Sunday will come and I'll sit in front of the TV and watch all the games again. That's the power of sports. It is the power of sports. As a soccer fan, I know that it is deeply, horrifically corrupt, and I'm still watching every weekend. This other stuff, I I hate. I don't like all that, but it's re- I don't want to be, uh, oh, it's not going on. I get it. It's happening. It's happening in corporate America. It's happening all over the place. It needs to stop. These are these are steps in making it stop. But it's not, hey, we got one guy. We're good. The NFL, look over here. We, we, we helped make the world a better place. I, I'm not buying it. There's so much more going on. Also, the stuff with like, uh, this is an email that shouldn't even have gotten out. Defense, like, no, sorry. Was it said? Was it written? Yeah, it this was written. doesn't happen in a vacuum. Yeah. Like, you have to live with what you've said. Yeah, and if it was someone framed you and wrote these emails, no one's buying that. That didn't happen. Um, and that would maybe be once, you know, or the old, hey, my Twitter account got hacked. Okay, maybe we'll buy that once. But it, there was 45 tweets that we can look back on or emails or voice messages or different things that can happen that have happened in the past. So, um, on the other side of things, if we oddly take this back to football, I don't know what internally the Raiders locker room will feel like. Um, there could be a sense of relief. I, I don't know how they felt truly about John Gruden. I think the one with the longest tenure there certainly is uh, Derek Carr and has been pretty openly supportive of him, and vice versa. Um, I did see, I mean, this is where Twitter gets cruel but funny as well. 
They said the true irony of this, Chris, was uh, Khalil Mack helped end or was played the final game in John Gruden's career. And I'm like, oh, man. Sports can be cruel. Sports can be cruel. Um, I don't know when the game's Sunday if that had – the Raiders played terribly. I, I don't think this other story was much of an impact in the locker room. That's my read. We'll know more tomorrow. I'm anxious to talk to Lincoln Kennedy because he has obviously the Raider ties, the Raider connection. He'll speak his mind, what he has to say about this and where the Raiders go from that. So he's going to join us tomorrow. Um, And also Chris Landry, who's been in front offices. And I think those will be two great guests to have tomorrow as we do each and every Wednesday. You know, Lincoln will, will say what he feels. So I, I, this could be one of those cases and I don't want to predict it for sure, but where it's no, I had a good relation. I like John Gruden, but and then these things are disgusting. I I mm. don't know what his relationship was specifically with him. From my memory, I don't. I believe he said with us before that it wasn't that close. Okay, well then he's you know I'm not saying he's going to fire. I don't know what he'll believe or what he'll say because Lincoln will say what he what he truly believes. And there. he's not going to just trash someone for no good reason. Yeah, Lincoln's a good guy. He is. Love Lincoln. Yeah. So he'll be here tomorrow. We look forward to checking up with him and get his perspective on on that, on where the Raiders do go from here. Really, for Gruden, I mean, he's not working again, right? I mean, in any capacity, I don't see who takes that chance. And nor does he need it. He shouldn't. No. Yeah. I think that uh, I think that time has has come for him. Uh, before the break, we do have to uh, hit you with this. We're not that drunk. Hmm. We do have another update in baseball as the baseball playoffs continue. An update from the Braves and Brewers. The Braves actually had tied it at two apiece. Now the Brewers have just hacked on two more. They lead four to two in a must win for Milwaukee. That is in the top of the fifth. All right, halfway through the show, we'll come back much more to get to. When we come back, a new installment of the top five, bottom five in the NFL through five weeks. Still some NBA notes to get to. Sean Cunningham joins us at five as well. And in the five o'clock hour, your chance to win Kings tickets. We've got a trivia question coming your way. But top five, bottom five in the NFL through five weeks. That's next here on KHTK. Coming up in an hour, your chance to win Kings tickets to see their opener, home opener, against the Utah Jazz. That's one hour from now. Sean Cunningham joins us at 5 o'clock at his very latest on those 3-0 and Sacramento Kings. Kings did make some news today, releasing Matt Coleman and DJ Stewart as uh, their roster from 20 down to 18. Uh, all right, we've seen another week of action in the NFL. They've played five weeks worth of games. I think week five was one of the best we've seen this year. Uh, still down to just one undefeated team, and that's Arizona. And we've got two winless teams in Detroit and Jacksonville. you got to believe those three teams will make an appearance in our list here of our top five, bottom five. So let's do it. Let's kind of work from the bottom to the top. We're going to start at 28, the fifth worst team, at least in my opinion, of what I've seen through five weeks. At number 28, this may be a little surprised because I just mentioned them. They are uh, They are winless. I'm putting Detroit as the fifth worst team. I have been kind of intrigued by this team this year, and I didn't think I would be. I thought, 
Dan Campbell had an awful introductory press conference. Um, I thought there was kind of some hokey stuff and the biting of the kneecaps and the just the tough guy, raw, raw. I'm like, I don't know. But watching them, they have a talent issue. They don't have a compete issue. They compete. They fight. They do battle. They do the things he suggested they would. I don't know that I see him punching and biting kneecaps and all that, but they are competing. And they've played the Niners, the Packers, the Ravens. The last two weeks, I was hoping for a better performance, I think, two weeks ago against the Bears. And this last weekend, they honestly weren't great, but they stayed in the game and had every chance to win the game, but they lost. So they are an 0-5 team, but with a tough schedule, the ability to compete in a lot of these games, had their hearts ripped out now twice, once by the Ravens, once by the Vikings, losing on the last second. So this team probably should be better than their record, but your record is the reality of your standings in the division. But at 0-5, they're last in their division. They're last in the NFC, but I have them as the fifth worst team in the NFL through five weeks. All right, at number 29, the fourth worst team. This team had a rough week, specifically this week, uh, the Giants. They were playing the Cowboys. They were expected to lose. They did lose, but they lost more than that. They lost a couple of players in this game due to injury. And Barkley rolling his ankle on a you know crossing pattern where he runs into a uh, teammate and defender, kind of a crowded space there. And then you had the awful situation where Daniel Jones trying to score on a quarterback keeper, uh, kind of leaning with his shoulder and his head gets hit on the head. And he wasn't knocked out, but he was woozy. And he immediately left the game. And when I say knocked out like a boxer being just knocked out cold, he was loopy, didn't know where he was, had jelly legs and he just couldn't walk and so he had to come out of the game and so that's just a brutal situation for a team that I think has found their quarterback they have the good win against the Saints and a couple of games where they had the chance to beat the Falcons in Washington uh, didn't have a chance to beat Dallas this week but I'm gonna put them at 29 maybe they should be ahead of the Lions but I'm gonna leave them at 29 at 30 the third worst team to me in the National Football League they were in London last week early morning Probably didn't see the game, but they lost. The Jets lost to the Falcons. 27-20, this coming off the heels after a really a great win against the Titans. But um, they're also going through a personnel issue. They've got their quarterback, they think, of the future, at least for now, right? They've done it before where they thought they had him in Sam Darnold. Now they do in Zach Wilson, and Wilson's been very, very erratic, which you would expect from a team that's not talent-laden. It's got a new coach. That is just trying to build and get, you know, that that famous word, change the culture, that famous phrasing, and it's going to take some time. So they get a second crack uh, coming up soon on Bill Belichick and the Patriots after the bye week. They have a bye this week, by the way. So they'll stay in that bottom five, but they'll see some other teams likely lose around them. But the Jets right now currently is the third worst team in the National Football League. I've got a new team in here, and I've moved them all the way to the second worst and really disappointed in what the Miami Dolphins have done. Talent-wise, they shouldn't be this bad. Yes, they have an injury to their quarterback. I wasn't that high on Tua anyway, and I thought Jacoby Brissett might help them. This team can't score. Right now, they are 30th in passing, 32nd in rushing, 31st in points scored, so second to last, and third in points against so they're not stopping people and they're not scoring it's a terrible combination fortunately for them they won week one 
hanging on to beat the Patriots by one. Shut out by the Bills. Raiders got them. Colts beat them by double digits, and then the Buccaneers just throttled them. Miami, what has happened to the Dolphins? Playoff team a year ago. This should be their get-right week. They could do some damage here over the next couple of weeks. Jags, Falcons, Texans, three of their next four all at home. Bills in between there. But they got to get right soon because they have been the most points allowed or second most points allowed. Their their point differential is awful. And Miami, to me, that's really been a surprise that they've been this bad. I, I wasn't that much of a believer in them as the totality uh, totality of a team. But, you know, a 9-8 and eight season, 10-7, and 8-9, um, somewhere in there. Right now, just 1-4, and four, and they've looked really, really bad in the process. So I'm putting Miami dead last at 31. And why I like putting them there? Because dead last at 32, the Jags, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Miami Dolphins will play each other to settle it. This time it's for real. Uh, Jags, they've been awful. Urban Meyer's been a mess. The team has been a mess. And moments, right? Moments in games. Close call they should have won or could have won against the Bengals on that Thursday night game. It it set a bad tone early on when I thought the Texans would be the worst team. And the Texans got them in week one. Texans are still a bad team. But lost to the Broncos, Cardinals, Bengals, Titans... And they've just got, they haven't won since week one of a year ago. It's been awful. It's been an awful stretch for them. So they end up number five in the bottom five. Dead last, 32nd. Again, Lions, Giants, Jets, Dolphins, Jaguars are bottom five. Let's go to the good side of the NFL, the top five. And it's starting to separate a little bit. We're seeing some pretty good teams. I had to leave a few teams out that have been impressive as well. But at number five... I'm going to put the Rams in there at five and one, at four and one. They won on Thursday night, a little shaky in that game, but I, I look at the totality of what they've done, what they the balance that they bring. The Rams, after their performance this week on that Thursday night game and what's happened around them, I'm going to put them as the fifth best team in the NFL right now. The NFC has some some good teams. I'm thinking about some teams that I left out of the picture. Some really good teams that I've left out of the picture. Number four, and they've moved in for the first time. And maybe it's recency bias. Maybe it's what we were able to see here in one of the most recent games because this happened last night. Jackson takes the snap, looking over the middle, pumps once, throws, end zone, caught! Game over! The Hayes in the barn! And the Ravens have won it in overtime! Now, they probably should have lost, and I know they should have lost to the Lions, but they have found ways to win. I love their win over the Chiefs. They could have beat the Raiders to start the year. I've moved the Ra- I've suddenly gotten all on board on the Ravens again at 4-1. and one. They've consistently been a good team. It's a good division. Um, I really like that division all of a sudden with what Cincinnati has done. Cleveland's already been a good team. So the Ravens make an appearance for the first time in the top five for me. But last night, what Lamar Jackson did was historic historically great and good for the Ravens who have now kind of seemingly overcome all those preseason injuries to find some balance here and to find some more consistent play. Number three, 
I'm going off of win resume here, what they've been able to do the last couple of weeks, and it's the Chargers. You guys hear me now talk about Coach Daly. I've, I've quickly become a huge fan of him. Herbert has jumped onto the scene last year and added on even more this year. It looks like a team with utmost confidence. And when you have wins to start the year over Washington and you back it up with the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Browns in all sorts of different types of games, more of a defensive slugfest with the Raiders and an offensive onslaught against the Browns, the Chargers have the versatility to beat a lot of teams. They get the Ravens this week, so another part of my plan of bunching uh, two in the top five together, a three versus four there. Um, This is a good football team. They're well coached. They have a confidence to them, a swagger about them. And it's showing the chargers, all those years of losing, you know, winning eight, nine games, but losing probably four games a year that they shouldn't have. If they continue to clean that up, look out for the chargers. That is a good team in a, in a pretty strong division that has some quality division wins already at number two. I'm going to reward the team that's still undefeated. I had them at number one before, I didn't think they were as great this week against the 49ers. I think they were vulnerable. I think they could have been taken down. They weren't. They won. That's the bottom line. They haven't lost yet. They do have three road wins already. They're 5-0. and Arizona has been pretty balanced. Good defense. Stronger offense. Kyler Murray playing at a great level. They got a lot of things you look for in a good team. And uh, the Cardinals, I'm going to put at number two. So number one, I moved him in finally. My, my projected pick as the Super Bowl champs. The Buffalo Bills. Four and one after losing week one. Here's what they've done since. 35-0 over the Dolphins. 43-21 Washington. 40 to nothing Texans. And you may not be that impressed with any of those wins, but um, what was the closest one there? 22 points and two shutouts in there. All right, well, let's test them. Go to Arrowhead. Take on the Chiefs. They dominated that game. They were the better team by far. They looked great. They looked complete and they beat the Chiefs 38-20. to Next, they get another matchup Monday night against the Titans. So further evaluation of this Buffalo Bills team. They're clearly the best team in the AFC East. That is an easy call, but right now I have them as the best team in the NFL. So if you think about that, I have left out some good teams. I have left out, I think Cleveland's good, but that second loss hurt them. I have left out, the Dallas Cowboys, who I get more and more impressed with their offense each week, and I don't know that they've played a bad football game yet. I have also left out the Packers, who continue to impress me. This last week was was a wild turn of events uh, all over the place with all those missed kicks. And then Tampa and their offense and what Tom Brady is doing. I mean, there are some really good teams in that NFC right now. I think the Rams, the Cardinals, the Bucks, the Packers, the Cowboys. And I still think a couple other teams to still watch um, – now, the Niners can get right, um, and I still think that the Saints can be a better team than they've kind of been this up-and-down nature. So there we go. We know it changes each and every week. It'll change again next week, but some things to watch are top five Rams, Ravens, Chargers, Arizona, and Buffalo. All right, when we come back, some NBA to get into. Ben Simmons surprised the Sixers and showed up yesterday. Where will that go? And up next, Kyrie Irving and the Nets. They make the stance Kyrie won't play or practice until he's fully eligible. Well, there's a few more details on what Kyrie's stance is on the vaccine. We'll explain that when we come back on KHDK.
Done, Chris. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Uh, thank you to those of you that have uh, reached out on uh, YouTube, certainly on our text line. So the Cowboys beat the Chargers in San Diego. Excuse me, L.A., and you still have them in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think the week before I had it the other way around. I didn't have the Chargers in the five. Um, so we will see. We will see. This, this is my list. It'll change. You can have your list. I, I'm not saying it's the right list or the perfect list, but I'm going with it. Lions, Giants, Jets, Dolphins, Jags, bottom five, Rams, Ravens, Chargers, Arizona, Buffalo, top five. I did say about your Cowboys, though, um, they have played great. I've been impressed with Dak. They got a shot every week, and they haven't had an awful game uh, yet, really. I mean, their loss was to Tampa to open it up. I don't even have Tampa in there. Uh, I left some good teams out. And again, like I said, these will will change quite a bit. Uh, NBA news. Yesterday, we told you about Ben Simmons um, and – the two sides get at least getting closer to some sort of agreement. Simmons um, surprised the Sixers by reporting. You know, apparently the Sixers front office and Ben Simmons have been talking, and then Ben Simmons shows up, takes his COVID test, and I'm here. Okay. So we'll see where that uh, ultimately goes. Uh, the other one that we are talking about today from the NBA that I think is, is very interesting to see what happens next here uh, is regarding Kyrie Irving. And the Nets, Kyrie Irving, front office, general manager, really his ownership, but general manager, Sean Marks talked about it today and said, um, the GM had mentioned there's no choice, but we have to go on and play without Kyrie if he refuses to get the vaccine. So they've been put in a position making their stance saying that they won't play or he won't play into or practice until he's fully eligible. Well, for him to be fully eligible, he at least has to get the shot. And he hasn't yet. So, why? Well, a lot of us are under the belief, well, it's your choice. You're right. and That's correct. Um, what are the reasons? Maybe he's an anti-vaxxer. Well, here's, according to some reporting from The Athletic and from Shams, what they are now saying about maybe more of the reasoning for Kyrie Irving and... It's it's a bit surprising, I would say, at this point. Uh, let's see. Multiple sources with direct knowledge of Irving's decision have told those at The Athletic that Irving is not anti-vaccine and that his stance is that he is upset that people are losing their jobs due to maxi- uh, vaccine mandates. It's a stance that Irving has explained to close teammates. To him, this is about a grander fight than the one on the court, and Irving is challenging a perceived control of society and people's livelihood, according to sources with knowledge of the situation. It's a decision that he believes he is capable to make given his current life dynamics, and, quote, Kyrie wants to be a voice for the voiceless. Well, what's interesting is to say that he's not anti-vax as much as he's probably anti or he's anti the people that are anti-vax i guess right the, these voice of the voiceless that are apparently losing their jobs from companies or organizations or different entities that are saying yeah to work here you have to be vaccinated and people have lost their jobs who have refused to to do that in a roundabout way he's kind of following that chain and i just 
sure, there's some um, something to be said. I like when people want to speak for others and be the voice for the voiceless, but I, I don't know where this is going to go for Kyrie. He sure has said no comment a lot for somebody that wants to be the voice for the voiceless. Good point. Good point. He said, this is private. I don't need to talk about it for wanting to be the voice. Yeah. And I don't feel like, to me, this is a grand statement, as he's alluding to, or others have alluded to. That's where you need to be very loud and very vocal and very, hey, society's got to change this. We've got to stand up for these people, the, the kind of things that you have, protests or picket signs, you know, those kind of things. But it's, I'm going to do this. I had no idea that this is what he believed in. He has not made it very open. What I don't know what he can do about that at this point. These two are very separate things completely, but and people have already been comparing him to Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Kaepernick came out and said very clearly why he was kneeling during the Correct. national anthem. Correct. At first he wasn't standing, then he went to kneeling. And for a half hour, he answered questions just about that, why he believed that he did not want to stand for the national anthem and why he was doing that to bring awareness on police brutality in the United States. Correct. Kyrie hasn't done any of that. Not, not to this point. It's been anonymous sources behind the scenes that said this is why he wants to do that. Right. It's just bizarre. He's just he's just different, and I don't know what the Nets want to do there because obviously you you signed him, you know how talented he is, and it feels like there have been reasons other teams have been willing. I talked about this with Ben Simmons. Why would Philadelphia want to move on from Ben Simmons? You drafted him number one. He's still young. All the positive things that he's done on the court, yet you are willing to move on from him. Something's up, Kyrie Irving. Cleveland Cavaliers won a championship with him. They moved him. Boston, oh, I want to be here. I'm going to be a Celtic for life. They moved him. They were, I mean, he was willing to move on. They were willing to move on. And now the Nets, yeah, no, we're going to support our guy. He's our guy. We're going to support him. We're going to support him. Now it gets to a point we're not going to accept a part-time player. I don't know that he, I'm not saying he's a bad person, a bad guy. I think he's been a difficult person to have as a major, major piece of your franchise. And so Kyrie can have the same stance. He can believe all these things, has more than the right to do it. He's not going to play for the Nets if he, unless he gets the requirements that they're asking, and that's to get the shot. They don't want a part-time player. Certain restrictions in the city that he's playing for aren't uh, comfortable with that. And... For that matter, I think Sam Amick even uncovered a few more things about a potential. Could there be a uh, Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving swap just kind of straight across? Looks like there's really nothing there, at least at this moment. So Kyrie Irving, as we speak, won't be eligible to play for the Nets until he is either he won't be able to practice or play until he is vaccinated at least gets that first process done. So we know that ultimately at the end, Andrew Wiggins did that with the 40, not the 49ers, with the uh, Warriors in San Francisco. And now we got to see what the net stance will be. We've already seen what the net stance is. What will Kyrie's response be after, uh, after he takes this all in? All right, before we get to the next hour, uh, we do have another sounder here for you. It's time. 
All right, the Braves have responded in kind after they gave up that uh, two-run shot. It was 4-2. to two. The Braves have answered with two more. It is 4-4 four, four, and a must-win for the Brewers. That game is in the top of the sixth. All right, when we come back. In That's our f- all four for legal help. Good point. Good point. In our final hour, the crossover. More on the Giants and Dodgers in game four. Our Kings ticket giveaway, but when we come back, let's get more on the Kings. ABC 10's Sean Cunningham will join us when we start the next hour here on KHDK.